The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And hello, everyone, and greetings to you, and thank you so much, first and foremost, being an intentional spirit and for sharing the wisdom from so many of our guests that come from all walks, all paths, all faiths in life, uh, t- teaching us concepts and tools rather than rules and how to be a more intentional spirit, someone that is putting into focus every day with intention the grace the blessings of all things that are possible for us in this amazing life. I'm very happy today to have Tony Bernhard with us. Tony, welcome to our show. Hi, I'm really glad to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, and uh, always great to feature a Nautilus Gold Medal in self-help psychology <laughs> author, best books of 2010. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. You've been featured in Psychology Today, and you're you're sharing just a lot of wisdom with your background in Buddhism and the exposures of your life, and helping people see different windows of how to be sick. How? Tell us a little bit about your story, your sacred story. Uh, give us a window of your life. Of, sure. Did you always want to be an author and write about? No, I, I had no well. idea I would become a published author. And in fact, if I hadn't become sick, I wouldn't be a published author. So it's um, it's an interesting blessing that has come about, um, along with it, the difficulties of being chronically ill and virtually housebound. So it's a, it's a kind of, um, can be a mixed blessing at times, but it's amazing to me that I've, I've now published three books. I have fans and readers all over the world, and none of this would have happened had I not become chronically ill in 2001 when I got a viral infection that somehow compromised my immune system and I never recovered. So it's it will be 15 years and a couple weeks. Um, it was May of 2001. And at the time, I was um, a teacher on the campus at UC Davis, where here, where I live in Davis, I was on the law faculty. And because of the illness, I wasn't able to maintain my job. And I wound up, well, I like to say I wound up trading the classroom for my bedroom, which is Mm. where I'm speaking to you from right now. I'm on my bed. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the bed, at least, but I'm on the bed. And, um, At the time, when this happened, I had been a practicing Buddhist for for 10 years. But the illness really threw me off my spiritual game. Um, Instead of using my spiritual background to help me adjust and not be bitter and continue to find joy in life, um, I I fell into a, really a state of despair. I don't want to over-speak um, it, but um, when I was forced to give up a career that I loved, I just was confused and mm-hmm. scared and embarrassed. It, you know, it, People expect you to get better when you get sick. I expected myself to get better. 
And so uh, there was a dark period for three or four years. And then I, I, you know, I, I, it's as if the, my, the spiritual path I'd been following was waiting in the wings for me to discover that it could, that it was with me on this new journey. And um, I started to use a lot of the uh, Buddhist teachings and my own version of his teachings uh, to learn how to be sick with mm. grace and purpose. And, and that's what led to my writing these books. And I'm I'm so grateful that you did, and it it's such a strong point. Um, I have so many questions to ask you, <laughs> and I want to elaborate on a couple of the uh, ideas that you had because um, you're absolutely correct. We have such judgment projected onto people that say, "I'm sick." We don't really know what it is, but I'm sick. And and uh, people, especially that are in the positive realm, you know, and mm-hmm. then also you add into that into spiritual practices. It's just a huge thing of how can this be happening to me? You know that here I am for some people. Oh, what do you mean? I'm in the Peace Corps. I'm being of service. For other people, it's I'm immersed in spiritual community. I'm practicing. You know, I'm doing my sacred water bowl every morning, giving thanks. I'm doing my practices. What do you mean that I'm sick? Are you talking about yeah. me? There's such a right. a dis a disconnection uh, and and that inner frustration in in that way of the tools that we've always used to self-correct everything they're not correcting that and yeah and i think that's partly because uh no matter how um spiritual we are and how positive we are and how much we uh, work on um bettering ourselves in a spiritual way and helping other people, there's a lot about life that we don't control. Mm. We're in bodies, and bodies can get sick. They can get injured. And so I think a lot of the resentment that people feel and the anger and the, this why me when I'm such a good person and I was doing everything right, um, it's simply an, an, an inability to, to look at one of the realities of life. And it's one thing that I like about the Buddhist teachings is that he, he tells it like it is. <laughs> he doesn't mince words. And sometimes this is hard for people to hear, but I find it liberating because uh, to be told, hey, you know, you're in a body and bodies can get sick and and they get old <laughs> and there are, you know, you don't control unless you want to live in a sterile environment your whole life. You don't control sometimes when you catch a virus or or get sick in various ways. It's one of the facts of life. And sometimes people will say, well, that's a negative way to look at things. That makes me that makes me feel bad. But it was only when I looked that face to face that fact of the human condition face to face and let it into my heart that I began to accept what had happened and could then try to live a good life within the limitations imposed by my illness. So um, it's it's an interesting thing that it, it's something that sometimes people look upon negatively, but for me it was one of the keys to freedom from 
anger and judgment was just to say, oh, this is this happens to people sometimes, and it happened to me. Absolutely. It doesn't have anything to do with whether I was a good person or a, doing all my meditations and my this and my that. Sometimes unexpected things happen. Well, I love that you painted it red, you know, because as a practical mm-hmm. teacher, um, a scientific proven new thought reality, I, I sometimes get tickled at people in community that, you know, they will, it takes them a half hour to just say they have a cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, no, it's the appearance of a cold, but it's really it's an right. illusion because actually, it's the you know the toxins and this is happening and this is going on. And rather yeah. than well, I have a cold, well, we are a human being. What you know, we are designed with certain things, and our physical being has certain you know ways like you're you're saying and and so we really are in the practice of we're healed by what we turn towards not what we turn away from because oh that's it, a beautiful way to put it yeah it, it's and a powerful I, way isn't yeah, it because it's, it, it's it is very powerful as buddha said what is is best and yeah and that, that we could talk about for you know 20 hours of just what that <laughs> yeah is. to yeah into me what is is best because we're not saying, "Oh, isn't this wonderful that I have this?" We're not saying that. Right. But we're saying it's the resistance of what is that either prolongs it or adds to it or um, makes it feel like that tug of war thing, you know, of of that kind of uh, experience. Well, yeah, I like I you know the way I think of it is that the resistance to the way your life is, whether it's a cold or whether it's difficulties in a relationship. I mean, in some ways, illness is a metaphor for difficulties that everybody faces at one time or another. And it's the denial and the resistance to that that adds another layer of dissatisfaction and suffering to your life. Um, rather than being able to say, well, this is how things are right now. Uh, this is a rough time for me. And, you know, what can I do to make the road less bumpy and to um, find, make my peace with the way things are? It's that, that resistance that you referred to that is the source of so much mental anguish and suffering. It's, it's sad. We, we all have experienced it. I certainly have. Yeah. And I've, I've had experience with it both personally and with some very dear friends, you know, from a nutritional specialist that does yoga every day and, you know, does all the exercise and does all the things and, you know, libraries full of books. And, you know, she just, it just took her down literally in every way when, you know, at going into 50, she has to have both hip replaced it's like what you know that and and that it was the the process of it as a witness was almost harder than all the surgery and the rehab and everything of coming back it's the same with me to have tmj you know i did the juice i did the acupuncture i did the upside down i did this 10 sessions of roughing you name it i've done everything somebody (laughs) stick their finger up your nose which is just not natural i'm just saying you know whatever you can do and you still have it you know and it's like yeah it's the being in the process of this and for me the the that that harder bridge for me was to say until I see this as my sacred friend, I will not be able to embrace all of the awarenesses that it's going to bring me. I think the other part, Tony, and I just love talking with you because you're such a, a, a spirit of grace, um, is I think the other part of it, or do you feel, because you're the expert in this, mm-hmm. but in this way, um, 
we have a very strong box about what things are supposed to look like. In other words, people that make a difference in the world, they're supposed to have a microphone, they're supposed to be on TED Talks or be on Super Soul Sunday, or they're, they have their own, you know, live radio, whatever it is. And yet, we sometimes don't think about, look at the world you're changing from your bedroom. Yeah. You know? Look at that. Think of a good friend of mine that I see her doing so many different processes to get better. So many things that she's doing in her 40s just to go through the day. And she's like one of the greatest teachers I've ever had, you know, in my life. Okay. She may not make People Magazine or be on Oprah, but there are people that are transcending the planet teaching us how to be with what is. I think that's very true. Um, you know, we all have fantasies when we're young of <laughs> being famous. And, and you know, I have people say to me, oh, they read my books and they say, why aren't you on Dr. Phil kind of thing? And um, I, I don't really seek that out. I'd seek to help those who cross my path. And... Um, whether it's through my online presence or my books. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons that people struggle with feeling that their failures or their um, not sufficient as people, whether it be because they're not famous or whether it be because they are having health problems, I think one of the reasons we struggle with that is that our culture doesn't help. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. live in a culture that uh, bombards us with, well, as far as health goes, with advertising that says if you just do this, then you'll be in perfect health, and you do this, and you'll be in perfect health. And or do this exercise and do this, do that. And as a result, when someone develops a health problem, I don't know really anyone without some health problem, they think that they're doing something wrong because they've been bombarded with these messages that um, don't reflect the realities of life. And so they see it as a personal failing instead of, as you called it, a, um, you know, a, a, a friend to take with you on the journey. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's, until you come to see it that way, um, you're just going to be miserable because you're going to think that there's something wrong with you. you you know that you're a weak person, and that you're you're weak in the will, and you're um, or you've done things that are wrong, and they're coming back at you now. And our, our culture just doesn't help doesn't help us along the spiritual path <laughs> because right. it uh, um, it puts in our heads unrealistic expectations. Um, and so uh, it's very helpful to see that and to be, able, to be able to say, to look at that when it's coming at you and say, well, um, that doesn't reflect the life that I live and life as I understand it. Um, so, yeah, um, anyway, that was just something I wanted to um, raise because I think... A lot of people who um, read my books say, "Whoa, for the first time i've it, it never occurred to me to be nice to myself about my health problems it It never occurred to me to be compassionate toward myself, and you have to say, well, why is that wouldn't wouldn't that just be a natural thing?" To be nice to yourself? What reason in the world is there to not be nice to yourself? And so this is why I've thought about this, and I think it's because um, we are conditioned as children 
to hold ourselves to these impossible standards, whether it be by parents or by the, the media that we're exposed to. And so that's why we're our own harshest critics, and it's a tragedy, really. It's very sad because there's no reason in the world not to treat yourself as kindly as you would treat a a loved one in need. That's so very true. I love this conversation that we're having today with Tony Bernhard. And when we come back after break, we have, she has three books. So we're going to delve into continued wisdom that she's offering today about the value of honoring where you are on your path. Really appreciate all of you. Thank you for your continuing contributions to Unity Online Radio. It's because of you that we're able to reach millions across the country. We'll be right back after this short break. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being on the show. If you're just coming in, we're talking to Tony Bernhard. You definitely want to go to her website and check her out and share her work with friends and family. Every one of us have a family member, a relative, a co-worker, someone that we love from some walk of life that's walking through life in a way that they did not think they would be part of that plan um her website is tony that's with an i t-o-n-i bernhard h-a-r-d dot com um please check her out and that's also where you can go and purchase her her books so tony let's talk about the the book how to be sick uh give us some give us some wisdom about some of the content there well um how to be sick came about in a kind of crazy way. That was my first book. I um, One day I pulled my laptop over where it sits next to my bed, and I opened, and opened a Word document and wrote, How to be sick. Because I thought, mm-hmm. okay, it's time for me to um, learn how to embrace the life I have, rather than living in denial. And I, at the time, thought, well, that's a great idea, but I'm too sick to write this. <laughs> so I actually <laughs> closed it down. But I did write it. And um, what I did with the first book was to call on a lot of the teachings from the Buddha that I had 
put aside when I got sick for four, for three or four years, the first three or four years. And I started to look more carefully at his teachings and how they might apply to the life I now have. And so, for example, um, one of the the uh, wonderful uh, Buddhist teachings, which is not exclusive to Buddhism, you'll find it on any in uh, any spiritual um, um, environment, are what are called the Brahma Viharas, or they're translated as the divine abodes, which is where you would like you where you would like to be dwelling in your mind all the time. And the first one is called metta, or loving-kindness, and the second is compassion, which includes self-compassion. And the third is finding joy in other people's joy. That's a big, that's a big one for those who are sick, because what tends to happen when you hear about other people doing interesting and exciting things is that envy arises. And envy is like taking a poison pill. It just makes you feel so awful. So this idea of cultivating joy when for other people's happiness. And the fourth is equanimity, which is um, kind of, it's a state of mind in which you are able to accept life's ups and downs with grace and with acceptance. Uh, it, uh, well except in the, in the sense that you recognize that uh, everybody's life is a mixture of joys and sorrows and that um, um, you, are, you are willing to go along on this ride and um, generate uh, care for yourself and others as you do and not get... Uh, be constantly, it's like a ship, not be like a ship at sea that's just going constantly up and down on the waves and you, being thrown about. Equanimity is a state of an evenness of temper where um, you are satisfied with what with the life you have, even if it's not the life you expected. Mm. So those are the four Brahma-viharas, and they make up about a third of the book. I have chapters on each one, and I offer uh, different practices. Um, All of my books are practice-oriented, so they're not theoretical. I will introduce something and then either... Um, give a traditional practice or some that I, I've i made up <laughs> based on my uh, own experience and my own background in, in spiritual practice. Um, so, for example, in the compassion chapter, um, I talk about generating compassion for yourself for the difficulties you're facing and how um, I've mentioned this before the break that it's very hard for a lot of people to do because they haven't learned to be nice to themselves. And what I suggest is that people actually speak to themselves either silently or in a soft voice, whatever they prefer, specifically about a situation they're in that is causing them pain or sadness. And so um, this is Wednesday. Last uh, Sunday, um, I was unable to go to the wedding of um, the daughter of some friends. This is a, a... uh, the daughter I've known since birth, uh, and the wedding was in my town, and I was hoping to feel well enough to go, but I wasn't well enough to go because my illness is very unpredictable. And um, and so my husband went, but I stayed home. And this is a situation in which you could get become very bitter and angry and resentful 
resentful and all of those things. But instead, I've learned in a situation like that to generate compassion for myself by actually speaking words that are specific to the situation. So I would say to myself, it's so hard to be at home and not be able to go to Jillian's wedding. Um, And it's amazing how when you acknowledge your pain in that way, it softens it and it makes it manageable. It's a kind of becomes a sweet sorrow Mm -hmm. and... um, and it makes it okay because instead of denying what's happening and being resentful and bitter, um, you're um, you're treating yourself gently about it. And it enabled me to accept the disappointment and to feel happy for the bride and the groom and everybody who was able to go. And so that's one compassion practice. Uh, Another one is where you um, think about, you connect with other people in your mind by thinking about other people on on this day who were unable to go to some special... Do I, I mean, do I think I'm the only person on Sunday who had to miss a wedding due to illness? No. Right. There are people all over the world. And so I think about other people who are in my situation and I I kind of I breathe in their sadness and then on the out breath I send to them what compassion and peace and love I have to give. And it's amazing. This is a practice called Tonglen. It's a traditional Tibetan Buddhist practice. And I'm not a Tibetan Buddhist, but I love this practice. And it's amazing how it makes you feel connected with people all over the world. And it puts your own suffering and sadness into perspective um, to realize that... um, you're not the only person you're not first of all you're not alone and secondly um it takes you out of yourself and and uh, by joining you with other people so those are just a couple practices Mm, and they're very powerful. They're absolutely very powerful. And both of them are keeping you and the people that are practicing it at a higher vibration because you're not going mm-hmm. into the being separate from, but it's more right. of a sense of compassion, which is inclusive. Uh, I know in being at John of God, the healer in Abhijanya, Brazil, and being in the line and and seeing, you know, the tumors and the canes and the, you know, different things where people have come from or the little children that had their bodies twisted or whatever it may have been. I remember thinking in that line that, you know, we all have part in our sacred path and so much of it along the way can be so uncomfortable like my sickness um, one of them is uh, alcoholism. But yet, you know, and going into almost 20 years of sobriety, but mine is hidden, you know. And so I was right. thinking about in that line how uh, how with people that have the health challenges, there's it's not that the whole world isn't having these things that they're dealing with. It's just that the ones that are having the health ones, they just seem more obvious. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's true, that we don't really... Everybody that you meet uh, has burdens of one kind or another, and that's another... um, I was in these, these divine abodes. I was talking about compassion and... The, the first one, which is called Metta, is translated as loving kindness or 
it's actually the more literal translation is friendliness. Mm. And I think that that kind of taps into what you're talking about because the way I use this as a practice, and actually this is um, in my second book, How to Wake Up. This is a practice that's in that book. Um, when I When I leave the house, I set the intention to be friendly to the people I see. And often it's just a silent friendliness because you don't want to stop people on the street and start talking, but just to send them love and affection in what using whatever words you like to use, whether it's, I hope you... I hope your day is going well. I hope you're feeling at peace. Whatever words resonate for you. Uh, Yesterday I had a doctor's appointment and I was sitting in the waiting room and there were a dozen people in the waiting room. And that's what I sat and did. I went around. They didn't know I was doing it. I would catch a glance of each person and I would say... You know, I I hope you're feeling okay today or, you know, I hope that you get the help you need when you see the doctor. And that's because, you know, everybody has their their hidden difficulties and and, um, they're not always evident. Even a lot of chronic illness is invisible. I look fine to other people. Uh, only the people who know me well can see the illness in me. But um, anyway, this is a practice I call it friendliness practice. And it is amazing the effect that it has on me. And I I don't know the effect it has on others. I hope that they feel the vibrations. But the effect it has on me is to... Um, just make me feel good about being alive and being in the presence of other people and this feeling of camaraderie and knowing that I'm not alone. And so that's another practice that is, um, and no one needs to know you're doing it. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I do it, in the car, I don't usually, I don't actually go out that much. I'm not able to, but sometimes my husband and I will go on, I will ta- ask him to take me for a drive. And when I, I do this friendliness practice with other people in their cars, I guess it's a version of, you know, have a nice day, right? <laughs> that the checkers say to you when you're leaving. <laughs> But it's this is more heartfelt because it's your own words and it's something that um, you're intentionally uh, directing kind and loving thoughts towards other people. So that's another of the practices that I talk about. It's uh, just really powerful. I'm just really loving this conversation with you. And I, I think the other part that was coming up in me is... Um, and I'm not saying that anybody is going to be there right away, you know, but I do feel sometimes it's the grace of being thankful <clears throat> that you know what yours is. Do you know what I mean? Like with with me, alcoholism, I'm grateful I know what mine is. I mean, some people have mm-hmm. major issues and they can't see them and they don't know what they are. You know, they can go to a therapist all their life and right. still can't get to the root of why this keeps happening to me, that kind of thing. Right. So, Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Well, I just applaud you for being out loud, you know, and really addressing this. Thank and you. I know that from your work, you're helping just an incredible amount of people. And obviously you are with, with you know, your various books and your writings and your, your blog and those kind of things with, um, with the Waking Up book, is that a further elaboration of what gets established with the first book? Is that... Um, well, the, my books have a sort of odd sequence because um, the first one is 
chronic illness. But as I've said, as I said, chronic illness can be seen as a metaphor for difficulty that someone is facing. And I say this because people write to me and say, "I'm in good health, and I love your book, How to Be Sick." <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. but it it obviously the focus is on when I suggest practices and then give examples of how I use them. You know, they focus around chronic illness. And so, which includes chronic pain, by the way. So whenever I say chronic illness, I'm including chronic pain. So having written that book, I thought, well, that's all I have to say on that subject. And so my second book, the one you were referring to, How to Wake Up, is actually a, it's a, in a way, it's an introduction to Buddhism. It's my understanding of the Buddha's path to awakening. But it's written in a similar style to the first one in that it's conversational and it's full of practices and there's a lot about chronic illness in there because I always write from personal experience and I give examples when I suggest a practice and of course these days those examples often center around my illness. So, But technically that second book is... um. Uh, it's being used as an introduction to Buddhism by a lot of teachers. I'm told it just goes kind of through some of the some of the basic teachings, like the Brahma Viharas, the uh, divine abodes that I spoke about. And when I wrote that book, I thought, okay, now I'm done writing books. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, what happened was, so many people wrote to me especially about how to be sick and their own experiences, that I realized I want. I had more to say that was less Buddhist-focused and more practical about um, living well with chronic illness. And so that is what led to the third book, How to Live Well with Chronic Pain and Illness. Um, it's... Um, less Buddhisty than the other books. It's not less spiritual, but it focuses on a lot of um, specific issues that can arise, like difficulty with sleep and the special uh, difficulties faced by young people who have health problems. And... Um, there's a couple chapters on caregivers and how you can help caregivers and what the difficulties they face. And then there's a whole section on isolation and loneliness because that's a very big um, uh, problem for people who are um, housebound. And, and so it's the most practical of the three books. But they're all similar in tone because... It turns out, I mean, I had no idea what kind of writer I'd be, but I write in a very conversational style. And I love so that all style. Three books That's my favorite have that, style. Have mm-hmm. that style. Yeah, sometimes people will tell me they feel like we're sitting around the kitchen table chatting, and that's my favorite compliment, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's kind of an overview of the, of the three books. Um, yeah. Wow. So what's next? Is there another well, book? I don't think so. I mean, I feel it, it's very, it's hard to write a book, even if health isn't an issue. It's a tremendous amount of work. Uh, the writing, the editing, the, um, and then once it's released, you know, you, you, have to find ways to get the word out about it and it's a tremendous amount of work and it takes a lot out of me it uses up uh, all the my precious little energy stores and so i've been i'm i feel this is my the last book because i'm still writing i write psychology today has a website that is different from their print magazine. It's a website in which they have, you know, a, 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 
people like me, although most of them seem to be therapists, I'm not a therapist, who blog. And so we are able to uh, write short pieces and post them. And I and we post them on our own with pictures. And I mean, they have editorial control if they want, but uh, they like what I write. And I would say half of what I write um, centers around around chronic pain and illness. So I just explore some of the things I've already explored. Explore them in more detail. Like I've recently written a piece on indispensables for those who are chronically ill, and it includes um, some things that are humorous and some things that are serious. And then about half my pieces are on mindfulness and and um, uh, center around the spiritual practice of being present for your life um, and various ways to uh, to do that and different perspectives on that. So I wrote a piece on uh, turning how you can turn using mindfulness to turn an unpleasant experience into a pleasant one, which you can't always do, but some, you can do it more than you think you can. And so um, I guess because I still have a platform for my writing because Psychology Today is a really... It's a well-read site. I that helps me not feel the need to write yet another book. So I would say at this point, three and out. <laughs> That's what we I know for now, that. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My son seems to be the only one who believes me when I say that this one, the new one, is the last book. But um, but I'm I'm happy now. Uh, I just I wrote a piece recently on silencing your inner critic and um, how to survive a rough day. So I still am able to write, and I that's what I love to do. I there are some days I'm not well enough to do it, but when I am, um, I pull that laptop over and write and do a lot of editing. I'm. I've learned not to be a perfectionist, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist about my writing, I have to say. Um, so, Well, I know that I, along with all the other people that are part of your books, are very grateful that, that you have written them. How, how would you say that the Tony before and the Tony now um, what would you say about the distinction, uh, the differences, oh, or the bridge? It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like a completely different person. Um, I mentioned that before I got sick, I was a, a law professor on campus here at Davis. Now, I was not one of those mean law professors, so I didn't change in that way. You know, the 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 typical stereotype of the tough law professor. Um, I wasn't like that. I was, I was nice in the classroom. And um, for six years uh, in the 90s, I was the dean of students at the law school. And so before I got sick, I was just, I was a workaholic. I was uh I worked all day, I brought my work home, I was never it felt like I was never not working and I was very um conscious of I wanted uh, the students to like me and so you know I was very aware of what do people think of me and do they think I'm a good teacher and do they this and I, because I always um, was focused on, you know, how, how what do people think of me and that kind of thing. I feel as if um, I, I've changed because when you get sick like I do, it's like it's uh, your priorities change. 
And so um, if somebody doesn't care for my writing, that's okay with me. Um, I can't, I don't, I, I've come to understand that my job is not to control how other people feel about me. My job in life is to be as kind and helpful to others and to myself as I can be and to not be concerned about what other people are thinking. Um, and so I've changed a lot. And aside from the fact that I wish I weren't ill, I can't deny that. It doesn't feel good to be physically sick. I feel as if I have the flu all the time. Mm. Aside from that, I'm actually uh, I'm a much happier person because I'm content to um, be who I am to make the contribution that I can. You talked at the beginning of the show about, you know, we'd like to be on Oprah, we'd like to do TED Talks, and that it's okay with me that that's not in the cards. I'm content to um, do the best I can uh, to make a good life for myself and help others when I can. And so I'm... Um, I've changed a lot. <laughs> um, I guess, um, you know, what I've brought over from my previous life may be the discipline that allowed me to write the books. Because I do have people say to me, I don't understand how you could write these books when you're sick. And if I think about it, I think, I don't understand either. <laughs> Sometimes I look at my books and I think, I can't believe I wrote these three books, you know. But I think that that, uh, that ability came from the discipline that I had developed as a teacher for, for 20 years. Um, so I think that part of my previous life carried over, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful, uh, Tony, to the work that you have done and continue to do and I encourage others to go to your website Tony T-O-N-I Bernhardt B-E-R-N-H-A-R-D dot com get involved share her work as I said earlier every one of us are impacted by some kind of dis-ease discord in one way or another so Promote her work, share it with others. And Tony, what a pleasure it has been having you on the show. For those of you that enjoy these types of conversations, we'd love to hear from you. Please be connected either at templehays.com or firstunity.org. Thank you for well, being with really, us. Thank you, I've, Tony. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for having me. As have I. Many blessings. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. 
Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. In an old Three Stooges comedy skit, Larry would call out to Mo, I can't see, I can't see. Mo would immediately rush to Larry's aid asking, why not? Larry would then smile and say, because I've got my eyes closed. Then, of course, Mo would bop Larry on the head. It is a good idea to pause occasionally to think about what we may not be seeing because our eyes are closed. And preferably do this before we get bopped on the head by circumstances. Is it life that is restraining us or our own limited thinking? When we truly understand that no one can make us think or feel anything unless we give them permission, we begin to see the vastness of our freedom. Open your eyes. Recognize your power to choose how you will focus your thought. Celebrate your freedom. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. 
How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit. Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.